Hi, welcome to Diving in Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling. And whether this is your first time tuning in or the 50th first time that you've tuned in, um, I just pray that you feel welcomed, that you feel encouraged, you feel strengthened, feel free to laugh, to cry, whatever emotion you feel, because goodness knows I have all those emotions too. So I just want to welcome you. I'm excited that you're here and excited to dive in (laughs) to what God has for us this week. Um, We have celebrated our 50th podcast, and I just want to say thank you once again. I don't ever think you can say thank you enough that people listen, (laughs) that people tune in weekly, that people are excited to tune in weekly. Um, It was just an amazing experience to um, record with a live one, um, with people, (laughs) And it was, it, I just felt really blessed. So if you were a part of that, um, lots of people sent me messages and all kinds of stuff and just felt very special. Um, I have to give a shout out to Frank real quick because I started this podcast and like had, I'm like sweating actually because I couldn't figure out the sound and I was like, where's Frank? (laughs) I think he was at work and he still took the time to, um, figure it out for me. It was like, you know, the, the age old thing, like unplug it, X out, plug it back in, <laughs> go, try it again. And voila, there we go. It, it all worked. Um, so thanks Frank. You're, you're the best. Um, I think summer has finally decided that she wants to stick around. Like she's been playing hide and seek with us, right. For a little bit, but I feel like it's, she's like, okay, I, I guess I'll, I'll decide to, uh, stay warm. I bought like hanging baskets and I put them, I was going to put them outside. And then I thought I should probably ask somebody who actually knows, um, about plants, which is not me. And they're like, no, it's too cold. So I would have killed them all. So my plants, thank you to my friends who told me to put them in the garage. Um, I've also like been excited to watch things um, come back because I planted a ton of stuff last year. So I was like, is it going to come back? I actually don't know how much I planted it or my friend Melinda planted it, but um, probably Melinda because it, most of it, like 95% of it came back. Um, And so I'm, I'm happy with that. (laughs) It's way better than I thought it was going to be. And so she, um, yeah, so my friend planted it, but I'm going to blame the 5% that didn't come back on the snow guy because he did like kind of disturb some of the stuff. So that's my story. And that's what I'm sticking with is the reason why I didn't come back is because of him. Not because of anything that I had to do with it that has 0% of a green thumb. But um, also... I love this weather because um, we love to play tennis. Um, My son, my husband, and I, we kind of got into it last year um, with, you know, the stay-at-home order. We were like, hey, what can we do? We're like, we can play tennis. Um, And so I love it. It's it's just fun. But I've kind of been a little self-conscious about it because I hurt my knee last year my other knee isn't good to begin with. So I'm basically have two bad knees now. And so I have to wear these like brace things. Um, 
in order to play tennis because it just stabilizes my knee and because it seems like whenever I don't wear them, I kind of step wrong and it, my knee goes out and it's not fun. But I've been like really self-conscious about it because I kind of look like the bionic woman. <laughs> I look kind of ridiculous, honestly. And so I've kind of been pouting about it and been like, I don't know, just like, woe is me that I have to wear these. And, you know, I love the Holy Spirit because he just kind of comes in and he corrects us so nicely, so gently. And it was just like, I was complaining about it the other day. And I just felt like, you know what, Aaron, you get to play tennis. You, you have these braces, they allow you to play tennis. So why are you just being this way? (laughs) And so I, I tried to change my perspective as I was putting them on the other day and they're ugly and all this stuff and just say, you know what, I get to do this. Um, they enable me to do this because without them, I wouldn't be able to play tennis. And um, my son also said, mom, you just need to be thankful. <laughs> I love it when your kids kind of correct you. Um, he said it very kindly, but it's true. So Sometimes we, but we can get so whiny, can't we? We're just like little whiny people sometimes. And then we just need to shift our perspective, which is something I say to people all the time. And the Holy Spirit said to me and over something stupid, I know it's stupid, but it's just how I was feeling. And I'm just going to wear them proudly (laughs) so I can play tennis and beat my husband and my son. (laughs) Anyways, um, to get into today's topic... Um, me and my reading buddies, we've, we've started back in the gospels, um, for our daily reading and I love the gospels, you know, cause it's, let's be honest. If you, if you're in the old Testament, there are some books in the old Testament that are just, you know, dare I say it, they're, they're boring, right? They're a little bit boring. And it's funny because in my son's, not my son, my husband's nephew is, has my husband's personality and sometimes they'll be talking and if if Robbie the nephew gets bored he'll just say boring <laughs> when we're talking and so it's just kind of become a joke in our family like when everybody says somebody's talking about something we either think it or we just say it out loud to each other like boring and I kind of feel like that a little bit with the Old Testament sometimes I'm reading and I'm like boring listen we're gonna that's what this podcast is for. Let's just be honest, okay? Some of it's boring, but that's why I think it's so important to have a Bible that has, you know, the, um, like a study Bible, because it really does help. Like, there are some chapters, I'm like, I literally would get nothing out of this. And then it will have something, it'll pull something out of it. And at least I can feel like I walked away with, like, you know, some some meat, <laughs> something that's encouraging. So anyways, so we're in the gospels. Um, and I, I've been reading, was reading this story. Now I've read this story several times. It's a well-known story in the Bible, but, um, there was a word that I kind of equated with it that I've never equated with the story before. And it kind of just, the, the whole story connected with me in a different way. And the word that I equated with this story was unclean, which we all know means dirty. Oh, sorry. Uh, my 
my watch just went off. It was talking to you. It was feeling left out and wanted to be on my podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but if you read in anything in the Old Testament, um, you read about that word a lot. Um, and because it was actually a really big deal to be unclean. And in the Old Testament days, if you were unclean, it was not something you like hid from people really because everyone kind of knew about it because of how they dealt with when you were unclean. And I honestly can't imagine like if I was unclean for some reason back then, like that everybody would know, like I couldn't hide it. I don't know. I just don't think that's cool that everyone should know (laughs) because it, it, being unclean was like to a lot of different things. If you ate certain foods, you were unclean. If you had bodily fluids, you were unclean, which might I just add that when you're reading the Old Testament and it's talking about that part, like um, pus and oozing and all that kind of stuff, it's gross. I'm just going to tell you, I don't do well with stuff like that. (laughs) So reading about it is kind of gross. But um, if you touched anybody who had any of those things, you were unclean. Like if, if they sat on something and then you sat on it, you were unclean. If you gave birth, you were unclean. If you had to bury a loved one and you had to touch the body, you were unclean. Um, and if you were unclean, you had to be pronounced unclean. That's where I was talking about. It was like out in the open because the priest had to like say you're unclean. So it's not something you hid. Everybody knew that you were unclean. (laughs) Um, Even if you were on your period, (laughs) um, you had to be removed from the camp. (laughs) I know some of you guys are like, um, okay, that's, that's too much information here. And I don't really want to hear that, but guess what? It's in the Bible. (laughs) Um, And, and that's not all. Not only were you like told you were unclean, but like, like I said, for a lot of things, you had to like be removed from the camp for a certain amount of days. There was different amounts of days for different levels of being unclean. And then you had to come back, go before the priest again, and you had to do like a ritual cleansing. Sometimes it was a sacrificial cleansing, depending on what it was. And to me, it just seems super humiliating. I don't know. It's just like, wow. But when I was reading about the different stories, um, as we've been reading in the Gospels, there was a story, like I said, that stuck out to me. But there's a part that I think I've skipped over because, you know, when we read things, we can like certain things can stick out to us. And then all of a sudden we reread it again. And then something else can stick out to us, which is one of the reasons why I love the Bible. One of the many reasons. Um, But... You know, back in the Old Testament, like I said, it had all these reasons why they were unclean. But then Jesus came, right? He made a way for us when we're unclean that we don't have to go through all those things. We don't have to go before a priest and be told that we're unclean and then go do something and then come back and then do a sacrifice. And, you know, we God's made a way that when he died on the cross for us, that when we've sinned, you know, nothing, like nothing stands in the way of us like boldly approaching God and asking for forgiveness. 
even if we have an ailment or disease, you know, nobody looks at us like we have the plague, right? Like back then, if you had, you know, leprosy or any kind of ailment, you were looked at as unclean. I mean, even if people had leprosy, like people ran in front of them and they're like, unclean, unclean. I mean, that's, I can't even imagine how humiliating that must have been. But like I said, that doesn't happen now, except although I have to say with COVID, <laughs> I feel like when people cough, everybody like looks. I've had I've had to cough before. I'm just going to be, just say it. But, and then I'll be like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. People are going to look at you funny. And I'm like, seriously, I'm like choking, actually. <laughs> I'm not sick. <laughs> but, and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've either been in this situation or you've thought about somebody else. But so this story that stuck out to me was the story of the woman who had the issue of blood. And last week when I read it, I just wept because it just really impacted my heart. And before I like dive into the whole, like what I want to share about it, we're going to read it first. And it's actually found in Mark 5. Um verse starting in verse 25 and had I had it ready that would have been helpful but I didn't so so it says and there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse and when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt it in her body and she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. All right. I've read that story, but I feel like I never really dove into her story. Because there's a story here. It's not just a passage of scripture. It's not just something for us to read and say, oh, she was healed. There's a story behind this situation. I mean, here's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. I can't imagine, I mean, basically be like being on your period for 12 years, (laughs) which I know guys, you can't even begin to understand what that's like, but women, you do. And, and I, if you're a guy and you're like, oh, if this is what we're going to talk about, I am Xing out. No, that's not what we're going <laughs> to focus on. But that's part of the story. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> but that's the situation, right? She had been bleeding for 12 years. And because of this issue, she is unclean. And when you're unclean, that makes you an outcast. I mean think about it. She can't have any friends because if they touch her or they touch anything in her house, they will be unclean now. 
Remember that that's how it was. That was the situation. She wasn't allowed to worship in the temple. Like she couldn't go into the temple and bring a sacrifice or worship the Lord there. She wasn't allowed in because she was unclean and she would make everything else unclean. This woman lived in isolation for 12 years, which we kind of had some isolation, right? Last year when the lockdown happened, I was with my family and I felt kind of isolated. I thought of a lot of people, maybe you're one of them who, you know, you don't have a family that you live with. And so you were felt isolated and we all felt isolated from the, from the world, right? But even more so like being by yourself. Well, this woman didn't deal with it for four months or a year. She dealt with it for 12 years. She had seen every doctor. I mean, I can't imagine how frustrated she must have been that nobody knew how to help her. She'd spent all her money, like everything she had. Like, I mean, if you think about it, losing blood is going to definitely make you like, probably like anemic. Like, I'm sure she didn't have a lot of strength. I'm sure she didn't have a lot of energy. So it, it basically like takes how you live your daily life and completely changes your world. Like your energy level, you can't probably do all the things. And I mean, life wasn't easy back then. I mean, it wasn't like she had a microwave and she just go stick something in there or had a freezer or could buy TV dinners. I mean, they had to work for their food. They had to drop their water. They didn't have running water or any of those things. But here she had this ailment that zapped every ounce of energy she had. It took every cent she had. And it says that it actually wasn't any better. It actually was getting worse. So how frustrating, how, I don't know. I'm sure she was depressed on some level that she couldn't even figure this out. And nobody knew how to help her. I don't know how she got there. I don't know if she was out and about getting the stuff she needed or if she was, I don't know, taking a stroll. I don't, doesn't really like tell us how she got there. But all I can say is that the explanation was it was a divine appointment on that day with Jesus. It says there was a large crowd and something, that's something she would never leave never normally be in a situation she wouldn't place herself in. How could she? She was unclean. If she touches somebody, they become unclean. But it says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, whether she had been out about or maybe in her home and she heard somebody talking in the street that Jesus was coming, we'll never know that part. But we know that it says that when she heard about Jesus, Nobody else could help her. But see, Jesus had a reputation already. He had a reputation that he could heal. I can only imagine what her mind must have thought. I have to get to Jesus. Some way, somehow, I have to get to him because he is my only hope. But I'm also pretty sure in her mind she thought, he's not going to want to touch me. I'm unclean. If, if he touches me, he'll be unclean. But she knew 
that if she could touch him, even if it was the hem of his garment, she could be healed. It says she went up behind him in verse 27. Because in verse 28, it says, because she thought, if I could touch his clothes, I will be healed. In verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. She knew she'd been healed. She, she knew the moment it happened. I can't imagine how overjoyed she must have been. Something she'd been dealing with for 12 years. I know like my husband has had some unexplained ailments. We just can't seem to figure some of them out. And then all of a sudden, as quickly as they came on, they'll leave out of nowhere. And it's just like relief. Like, okay, that's gone. Like, we don't have to deal with that anymore. And I know it's been a huge relief to him or anybody who's experienced anything in their physical being. When it's taken care of, it's like relief. So I can't imagine how overjoyed she must have been. Like, I've dealt with this for 12 years. And it's gone. But in the next moment, she must have gone from pure excitement to pure dread. Her excitement turned to fear. Because Jesus knew that the power had gone out for him. And he turned around. Now, I believe Jesus knew exactly who did it. I don't think it was really... A question like he was saying, oh, hey, who did that? Because I don't know who did it. No, I think he asked the question because he was about to reveal something. He was about to show something. Because he did ask who touched my clothes, right? But I think he knew. And I think he asked it because there was a lesson in this situation. A lesson for the disciples, for the people that were present, for that woman, and for all of us who are going to read that story. I can only imagine how terrified she must have been because she had to come clean because Jesus was asking. He he wasn't going to let it go. He wanted to know. Even the disciples tried to like this, you know, dissuade him from it. Like, hey, everybody's here. Everyone's pressing against each other. Why does this matter? But Jesus is intentional. God is intentional. And here was a moment and he was going to show something. So she had to expose herself to everybody to see. We know she was scared because it says she came and she fell at his feet and trembling with fear told the whole truth. The whole truth. That she was unclean and therefore she had made Jesus unclean and everyone around her unclean. Now, this is what wrecked me. Not, well, also her story, but because Jesus says to her, daughter. I just want to stop there for a second. He doesn't say woman. He doesn't say you unclean one. He says daughter. And daughter is a term of endearment. It's a term of belonging It's special and probably something that she had not been called in like 12 years. She was probably only known as that woman who's unclean. But in an instant, 
Jesus sees her and he declares her daughter. I bet you she didn't expect that in that moment. I bet you she didn't arrive there for anything else but to be healed. But there's more to this story. It it definitely highlights her faith, right? Because it it talks about the faith. We focus often, I think, every time I've read this story personally, I've always focused on the faith aspect of it. And, and obviously, we should focus on that because Jesus points it out. He says, your faith has healed you. She had faith, and it's highlighted for all who were there to see it and for her to see it and for us to see it. But I think there's more to see. She went to be healed, and she was. But it was more than a physical healing that she received that day. Jesus met another need. He called her daughter. In a moment, her status changed. She went from insignificant to significant, from unclean to clean, from a nobody to a daughter. For me, this story hit me because it reminded me of myself. When I was younger, I... Participated in things that I shouldn't have. You know, kind of, you do things in your life. And sadly, those things can leave you feeling pretty unclean. I never told anyone about those situations because it was embarrassing. I don't want to tell anybody what I had done. I didn't want to be judged for it. I didn't want for others to look at me differently, which is a lie that the enemy uses a lot, right, against us. Like, if anybody knew that about you, hmm, they wouldn't think you're so spiritual anymore. They wouldn't think you're a great woman of God anymore, a great man of God, or any of those things. Can I first dissolve that lie? I met with a girl recently who told me about her past. And I knew that there was some stuff that she was going to share. And I said, can I just tell you before you tell me that I love you and that nothing you can tell me is going to make me look at you any differently because I love you. And that's a fact. And something me and my husband will say a lot to people is there's nothing you can tell us that we're going to look at you and feel differently about you. It actually will make us respect you more because you are willing to share it. And we feel honored that you would share it with us, that you would trust us on that level. Well, obviously, this is advice I've given to everybody else. (laughs) We're so good at that, right? We're good at telling everybody else, hey, (laughs) you should do this. A little harder for us to receive it ourselves. And definitely in this particular situation in my life, I wasn't taking my own advice. I was scared, and honestly, Satan used it a lot to torture me because I often would feel like I had repented for it. I knew it was wrong. I was never going to do those things again, but because I just kind of hid it in myself, it just ate away at me, and Satan used it often whenever I thought I was doing good in the Lord. Well, remember that one secret you have. What if this person found out about that about you, Aaron? How would they feel about you? I mean, he used it a lot against me. But the burden was too much. 
and I couldn't take it anymore. And I remember <sighs> Satan just plaguing it, me with it one day. And we'd already been married for several years, we had a couple kids. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, just tell your husband. Now, I thought, how on earth am I going to do that? But I knew if I wanted to be released of it, I was going to have to bring it to light. See, things that we hide in the darkness, it's very hard to get free of them, but once, because the enemy can use it against us. But once we just like bring it to light, man, this it changes the hold that it has on us. And I think that's why we always encourage people like, tell someone you trust because it just loses power instantly over us. Just like this woman, when she came forward, I mean, that that status of unclean was gone and she was given that title of daughter. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't, I have to say that. It's so good. But so I did. I... I was ashamed. I sat in a corner. I called him because I thought, well, if I tell him in person, then there's a chance he could walk out on me. Like that's how much weight this particular situation had over my mind and my heart and my feelings and all of those things. And so I called him and I told him and I just braced myself. I even remember physically like cowering you know, telling him on the phone and I was cowering because I was just waiting. I was waiting for that judgment. I was waiting for him to, and that's not even my husband. That's not his personality, but that's what I had convinced myself would happen if I told anybody. It's how the scenario, how I played it out in my mind, only to be met with just love and kindness. Actually, he laughed He started laughing. I told him and he literally started laughing. And of course, I'm like, this is not a laughing matter. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Did you, did he not hear me right? (laughs) Did, Did the phone cut out? Did he misunderstand what I was saying? And he was like, honey, like, I'm sorry that you've kept that to yourself all these years. And it just shows me that you're not perfect. And that's kind of good to know. It's kind of nice to know you're not perfect, that you have things in your past too. (laughs) And I was, then I was a little mad at him, but, (laughs) but I was, I was met with so much kindness and grace and just instant relief. Like my uncleanliness had been exposed, but in a way that released me. I had been filled with fear and trembling, just like that woman. She was filled with fear and trembling, but she wasn't met with harshness. No, she was met with such an endearing word, daughter. I cannot tell you the relief that washed over me in that moment and being able to be released from something that I had held on for so many years. So I think when I read her story, it connected in such a powerful way because I could identify with her feelings of uncleanliness, being unclean. I said in the beginning of the podcast, you might get emotional. Well, here I go. (laughs) Listen, I don't know what your past is. There are people listening all over the place and 
there's no way I could know what you've been through or what you've dealt with. But chances are, I've talked with enough people in my life to know that we've all gone through things. We've all had stuff in our lives. And that stuff can make a lot of us feel really unclean. Just when that girl was telling me her life, I could tell just how she felt unclean. I could see it. I could hear it in her voice. Listen, we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. Jesus made a way for us to come to him. To change our status from unclean to clean. And I promise if you go before him and you feel like, first of all, he already knows what's happened in your life. I think sometimes we think when we go before God and we confess a sin, like we're going to surprise him and he's going to be shocked. No, he already knows. (laughs) Hate hate to spoil it for you, but he already knows. He sees everything. He's everywhere. Like, it's not a surprise to him, but there's something about us coming and confessing it and showing that we're unclean, like confessing what we've done, what we've gone through. When we do that, I promise you're going to be met with such kindness and graciousness. Women who felt unclean. She had faith that he could heal her. And I pray that you have faith that if you come before the Lord, he can clean you up. (laughs) She had faith. I mean, it may not be a, we're not really talking physical right now. We're talking about who we are. But I think we can feel so unclean that we don't want to go before him because we're afraid of his reaction towards us. And that's why I think there's another layer to this story that shows us that he will meet us full with compassion and love. So reach out to him. If that's you, reach out to him and just say, here I am. I know that you can make me clean. And guess what? He will. <laughs> he will. And this is what I believe he will say to you when you do that. And I encourage you to do it because I had to do it. I believe he will say, daughter, or if you're a guy, son, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering.